When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 107.1 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with a wonderful actor. I mean, this guy's put together an amazing career, everything from Veep to the Drew Carey show, Napoleon Dynamite. You've seen him in so many great things. But one of the great shows out now is American Housewife. And a, a big reason why is Diedrich Bader. And thrilled to have him here. And somewhat of a, re- a reunion show coming up, kind of. Uh, well, maybe definitely a reunion show coming up. But uh, I'll let you hear that from Diedrich. Diedrich, welcome. Hey, thank you, Frank. Thanks so much for having me on the air. I'm really excited about this episode, and so I'm, it's really important to me to plug it. Um, yeah, we're having a reunion uh, of the Drew Carey show on American Housewives, and I know that sounds insane, like how is that going to work, but <laughs> right. but they, they, they were able to pull a plot together that it totally, totally works. First of all, the character that Ryan plays, I've been like talking about, he plays Bill Doty on the show. I've been talking about Bill Doty for four years, and you never <laughs> saw him. And the minute the Bill Doty character was created, um, you know, at first I knew that he was just making reference that he wouldn't be on camera. But I pitched the guys who run the show, Kenny and Rick. I was like, what? Just listen to me. What if this is Ryan Stiles? And, 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 uh, <laughs> and it finally all came together. And then, like, ABC was like, what about if we put everybody together? Like, you and Drew and Kathy plays uh, Mimi and uh, Ryan. I played Lewis on the show and i was like oh my god that's a, that would be incredible i would love that so much um so yeah i uh, i you know i emailed everybody and they were totally on board and uh you know we hit the ground running the way we when we shot this you could just tell everything was clicking and it's really really fun um so i, I just hope everybody watches because it's just a great show it's it, listen the show was great i mean my god my, well, my thanks, wife's friend. wife's hooked on it but I, you're you're a big reason why I, everything i could watch anything that you're in and i oh, you know thanks. you look like you're about 30 years old but you look at your resume and you got hundreds of things on, on, on <laughs> imdb it, it's like you've been around forever but I, it, honestly, a lot of chemistry there from the uh, Drew uh, Carey show. No, this is going to be talked about for years. I'm sure the show is going to be talked about for years. Everyone's got to check it out. Uh, uh, Friday night at 8, uh, 8 p.m. on ABC, uh, American Housewife, which is uh, really one of the great shows out there. Binge watch everything that you've missed. It is dynamite. And again, big reason why. Dietrich Bader and uh, you know his work from so many different veep he was great in veep and, and the drew carey show no i'm uh, i'm looking forward to this i mean i'm absolutely looking forward to this because i i watched the drew carey show and i you guys oh, no had, kidding. I, yeah oh yeah you guys had uh, tremendous chemistry together and uh, it but to get everybody there usually there's one holdout usually there's somebody saying hey i'm not doing it you know you didn't get yeah, any, yeah. did you get any kind of well i don't know if you want to share that but did, did you get any kind of uh uh, uh, blowback from anybody saying, eh, I don't know if I want to do that. Were any any of the guys not on board? 
Oh, no. Um, Ryan, for example, like I sent him a text. I go, do you have any interest in doing the show? And he goes, yes. Uh, <laughs> we're like right away on this text. And I was like, do you want to find out what the part is? Or like, and he goes, nah, I'll trust you. That was it. <laughs> um, Drew had to get approval from CBS because, you know, he works for the prices right yeah. now. Um, but other than that, that like took a week. But uh, Kathy and Ryan were on board immediately. Drew was, Drew was like, yes, absolutely. But I need to get approval from, you know, my current job. Um, so they got approved from CBS, which was really generous of them. And, uh, and then we were on board. Um, so yeah, super cool. Yeah. Generous of them, but I, they'd be crazy not to do it. I mean, the price is right. Fans are, are going to love it. And, and, uh, you know, and again, it's going to probably push some people from American housewife to, uh, to, to check out the price is right again, which by the way, Drew does a great job, uh, there. Oh no, well. he's awesome yeah. at it. I know. I watch it. Sometimes I watch it at the gym. I'm like, Hey, there's my old buddy. Yeah. yeah it's fun. <laughs> You know, if you ever did the if you ever did the six degrees of Dietrich Bader, forget it. You know, like the Kevin uh, the Kevin Bacon thing. You know, I, I I can't imagine that there's anybody in in recent memory that you haven't touched somehow or another by six <laughs> degrees. I, it's it, really you've put together an amazing career, and it's just it's it's going. Well, thanks, right? And, and American Housewife kind of feels like it's going to be one of those you know big time long time shows. It's already on the way to to doing it. When you first came across the script or your first uh, auditioned or whatever you know the process was uh, did you did you think this was going to be a big deal or do you just not know when it happens that's an excellent question frank and yes i do know um i know that sounds really egotistical but yeah. you know um you know uh, the, the what a pilot is it's the first episode of a yeah. perspective series okay so this is my uh, this i should say the american housewife was my 15th pilot and I could have saved studios a lot of money because the minute the cast gets together and we read, I know. And when this cast got together and read, I was like, this is a home run. Kath, you know, uh, uh, Katie Mixon is a true star. She is just fantastic. No Our chemistry no together is great. Um, the concept itself was really good. You know, it's fish out of water. Somebody in, in who can't afford to live in Westport, Connecticut, moving to Westport, Connecticut. It's a little, it's not exactly Beverly Hillbillies, but it's basically like the difference in classes. Cause we're, you know, we're, he's a professor. He doesn't make much money. She's a stay at home mom. Um, so how are they going to struggle to survive in a town? That's one of the wealthiest towns in America. Right. Yeah. And um, so that's the, like the basic concept. And then once I met Katie, I heard a little voice in my head go, it's her. And uh, you know, I love working with Katie. I've been so blessed and lucky over the length of my career, but I knew this would go. And uh, I'm just hoping that, you know, we continue to find an audience. That's, that's why I'm plugging the show. I mean, Friday night is just such a great episode for us. And I just hope if you haven't seen the show before that you can tune in and check us out Friday night. Yeah, they got to check it out. It's a Drew Carey show reunion, and again, Dietrich Bader is is there uh, as Greg, as always, and just a, a great show. American Housewife uh, on eight o'clock at uh, on on ABC, and uh, it's eight o'clock uh, Eastern time, I should say. I'm I'm talking like yeah. I, we're just talking all Eastern here, but uh, eight, eight o'clock Eastern. Everyone's got to check it out, and it's all the uh, the key members from uh, the Drew Carey show. Uh, Ryan's there, and uh, just uh, just a wonderful wonderful idea for a show, and it's uh, it's going to be great. We got about a minute left with Dietrich Bader, uh, Frank McKay here. Everyone, check out the show. It's a reunion show, and it's going to be talked about. Uh, for years, uh, no question about it. You know, interesting. You said um, 
you know that it's it's not exactly the Beverly Hillbillies nowadays. If you did did it exactly like the Beverly Hillbillies, it wouldn't run. You guys kind of found the perfect balance, and it's uh, it's a good Thanks. one. So hey, listen, thank thanks for being here. Congratulations for all the success. And, and one last time, in, in your words, just uh, another another plug. Give, give us all the guests that are going to be there from the Drew Carey show. Okay, so on Friday night at eight, it's going to be Drew Carey, Kathy Keeney played Be Me, and Ryan Stiles, the genius of Whose Line Is It Anyway, and uh, and the Drew Carey Show. It's it's one of our best episodes of American Housewife. If you're going to check it out, check it out tomorrow night at eight. Thank you, Diedrich Bader. Thank you very much for being here again. Congratulations, Frank. You're and amazing. I can't wait to see it, Diedrich Bader. Everyone. Uh, again, wonderful work. Uh, you know his work from Napoleon Dynamite, the Drew Carey Show, of course. Veep, guy's got a resume a mile long, but he really is a a, a terrific actor and a wonderful uh, character actor. Uh, you know, mostly uh, uh, comedic work. I uh, actually office work. Uh, it's another one that you might want to uh, check out. And and I know so many people are going to say, how can you not say office work first? He uh, he, he it's really a memorable. Uh, office work, office space, I should say, and uh, he did such good work, and everybody did. It was a great, uh, great movie, but really, Diedrich Bader is, uh, you know, a wonderful actor, American housewife. Everyone check it out. It's the Drew Carey uh, reunion, uh, so to speak, and Ryan Stiles, he's right. He's a, a brilliant uh, comedian, wonderful guy, and, uh, you know, Drew Carey and, and Kathy uh, from uh, all from the Drew Carey show, uh, American Housewife. Uh, again, the the show you could watch it uh, when it when it comes on eight p.m. Eastern time on Friday nights. But binge listen uh, and binge watch it, I should say. And uh, you could uh, you could check out all whatever seventy something uh, seventy five episodes that they've done already. Check it out. But Dietrich Bader plays Greg Otto on American Housewife. Frank McKay. Signing off, Diedrich Bader has been our very special guest, American Housewife star. Uh, we'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. This is Breaking It Down with your host, Frank McKay, on 107.1 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Jeff Perlman is a New York Times best-selling author, and I, he, he's just tremendous. Anything he he writes is just worth getting. Uh, his latest, and uh, it, you know, it's I, I I guarantee it's on sale now. I've ordered two because I have a friend who's a huge Bo Jackson fan, and uh, still talks about Bo Jackson and and says there'll never be another one like him. The name of the book is The Last Folk Hero, The Life and Myth of Bo Jackson. Uh, I, I guarantee you, you will love this book. Frank McKay here. Much more importantly, please welcome uh, to our show uh, the wonderful Jeff Perlman. Jeff, how are you? Frank, I have to say two things. Number one, I would argue I'm not so wonderful. And number two, <laughs> why did you only buy Why you only buy two books? You said if I came on your show, you'd buy 200. Yeah. Well, hey, listen, I, I, I'm not going to have to worry about co- uh, covering the load for this. People are going to buy this book. There's a lot of interest in in extraordinary people, and you you correctly stated him as a folk hero. That's what he was. I mean, because I I think ultimately he probably hit less than 40 home runs uh, in in baseball, but he made such an impact because of the two sports. Uh, what what did you find out about Bo Jackson that you didn't know beforehand before you started writing this book? 
Well, I mean, I interviewed 720 people. So if I found out nothing, I'd be a really crappy reporter. <laughs> um, wow. I mean, um, yeah, a million different things. Um, you know, my, one of my favorite stories, this is an example, is he um, he signed with the Raiders in 1987, uh, having played with the Kansas City Royals the year before. He's going to play both sports. And he shows up with the Raiders, and Tom Flores is a head coach, and he has him run a 40 to see how fast he can run the 40 in. And it's on grass, in pads, and he runs a 4.19. And they don't believe it because that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so they have, him, they have him run it again, and he runs a 4.17, which isn't quite as fast as a 4.13 he ran at Auburn. But he's just he was just the freakishly, you know, the freakish athlete, most freakish athlete of all time by far is Bo Jackson. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Did you speak to people that I'm, out of 720, I have to believe it is, you did. But what about the people you spoke to that knew him as a kid? Was it automatic from day one? They knew this guy was going to be a big deal? No, 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 no. He was a kid who grew up in abject, abject poverty. Um, he was a kid literally in Bessemer, Alabama, who went to school wearing his kid, his, uh, his sister's hand-me-down sneakers or socks to shoot, you know, just socks, no sneakers. He was a bully. Um, he was terrified of going to reform school. He easily could have gone to reform school. Sports saved him. I know it's a cliche, but sports actually saved him. He uh, he was this athletic phenomenon. High school coaches at McAdory High recognized it. They cultivated it. They worked on it with him. But man, it, it easily could have gone a different way, easily. Yeah, uh, just uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely amazing. How did he, uh, you know, and, and I would normally save this for the end, but I'm just curious. I'm so curious. Mm-hmm. How, what did he do with his money? Did he invest well? Is he broke? Is he is he doing okay? H- how is he financially? Well, he's very well off. He saved his money. He made a lot of Nike money. You know, he didn't play in an era where players got uber rich, but they made good money. But the Nike money is what did it, the whole Bonos ad campaign. He, um, he went on to have a really good, successful career uh, as a businessman. He uh, he lives in Burr Ridge, Illinois. You know, he drives a Ford truck. He shovels his own driveway. He's a grandpa and a dad of three. Very, very savvy. Very, very smart. Uh, you'll never see him begging for dough. He's just not that guy. He's, he's lived a pretty exemplary life after playing sports. He retired at 31. He's very young. Yeah. And I, I'll tell you, he would have had some career if he didn't get injured. I think it was the... I think it was the Bengals playoff game, right? He was uh, he was playing in a uh, playoff game, and I think it was the Bengals, and that's where he got the uh, the bad hip. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I, the the sky was the limit before before that injury. Yeah, it was 1991 playoffs. Bengals uh, Raiders in Los Angeles. A third quarter, Bo's running down the sideline. A linebacker named Kevin Walker grabs him, grabs his leg from behind. He did nothing wrong in the play; he just made a tackle, but. Bo was moving forward with such force that his hip came out of the socket, which is really disgusting and really painful. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't just, uh, you know, people watching it thought, oh, it's just a hip pointer, it's a hip flexor. But it wasn't. It was a disease called a vascular necrosis, which is really a deadening of the body part. And um, the day after the game, Bo goes for a scan, and the doctor says, do you see uh, you see all that black? And he's like, yeah, he goes, that's, that's your blood pooling in your body. And um, his hip was dead, basically dying, and he needed a hip replacement. And it, you know, obviously changed everything about him. Oh, my God. I, I, Jeff, uh, let me ask you this about Bo, and you, you mentioned how intelligent uh, he is. When he, when he did things like broke the bat, uh, I think he broke a bat over his knee, broke the bat uh, over, his, uh, over his head, uh, was uh, he aware at the moment that that was going to add to his uh, his folklore, you know, the, you know, we're talking about the last folk hero here. That 
that had to uh, add to it. Was he aware of that or those just natural reactions? I think they were largely natural reactions. He knew his place in society. He knew how big the, you know, the Bo Knows ad campaign was and that his, obviously he had a poster that was iconic and his name alone was known everywhere. I mean, everywhere. Like my mom, who knows nothing about sports, knew who Bo Jackson was. My dad, who knows nothing about sports, knew who Bo Jackson was. Like he became a national icon. So he clearly was aware, but I think he just did stuff naturally. He really did. It just came to him naturally on the spot. And showmanship was part of that. What do you, what do you think he would have uh, accomplished, uh, and where would he have accomplished more? Would it have been football, baseball, um, if uh, he hadn't had this injury? Do you think he would have stuck with football? Do you think somebody would have, uh, would have talked him out of it and said, "Hey, listen, get more into uh, into baseball"? Where would he have gone if not for this injury? Um, well, I think if he had played only football, he would have been maybe the greatest running back to ever play the game. He was that good. Jim Brown, Eric Dickerson, Walter Payton, that level. I think if he'd only played baseball and had the proper training and devoted himself to sort of off-season conditioning and workouts, he could have been Mike Trout or Mickey Mantle or Roberto Clemente. He was that good. So if he had picked one and stuck with it, he would have been just absolutely otherworldly. But I still maintain it's really the coolness of playing both and the uniqueness of playing both gives him an even greater legacy than if he were sitting in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, just yeah, amazing. Um, just, wow, just I, just what a subject to to talk about. I'm I'm absolutely thrilled that you uh, uh, that you uh, chose this. Uh, out of the 720 people that you spoke to, which is amazing, that's a great number on your part, Jeff. Um, who who surprised you? Was there anybody in there that you said, "Wow, I wasn't expecting much out of this," uh, or I didn't know what to expect, and and it blew me away. Um. Oh, yeah, there were tons. I mean, there were tons. There, were, You know, everyone told me about there are all these rumors about a game he played in high school. He was at McAdory High in Alabama. They played a game against Fairfield High. And people kept telling me Bo hit a ball so high to left field that by the time it came down, he was rounding third base. And I just found that preposterous. <laughs> I didn't believe it, but I kept hearing it. So I tracked down Fairfield High School's left fielder that day, Eddie Scott. And uh, Eddie's like, no, it happened. I'm telling you, the ball, it's the highest ball I've ever seen hit in my life. I got under it. I couldn't pick it up. The ball falls. I, I grab, bend over to pick it up and throw to second, and I look up, and Bo's rounding third. And all these people told me he hit a ball so high and he was so fast that he was rounding third by the time it came down. I didn't believe it, but now I do. Where there's greatness, there's there's uh, two sides of every story. Where there's love, there's jealousy. Uh, did you find any anyone that either played against him or that, uh, you know, you said he was a bully growing up. Did you find anybody who really hated this guy and just was dying to talk to you and just laid into him? No, not really. He wasn't that kind of guy. He was quiet and reserved and prickly, and he wasn't great about signing autographs for teammates and if you came up to him while he was eating dinner, it wouldn't be so great. There were guys who found him annoying. Like he used to, when he was with the Royals, he's a big hunter. He would set up his archery uh, target across the clubhouse and shoot arrows through the, throughout the clubhouse. Players did not like that, Oh my God. but he wasn't a jerk. Like if anything, he was grumpy, but he wasn't a jerk. So it's very hard to find. Most people were so amazed by him more than I love him or I hate him. I was just amazed by the things he did and considered an honor to have played with him. That's the number one reaction. You mentioned three children and and now grandchildren. Uh, any any athletes in uh, that crew? No, not really. Um, 
no, actually not really. And he didn't care. He actually came out recently and said he would never want his grandson to play football because of the physical toll of uh, that it puts on a body. So um, I don't know. He's, you know, he plays a lot of golf now. He's really good at golf. He hits the ball a mile and a half. Um, I always think what's great about him is he didn't care if his kids became athletes. He, in a way, he didn't want it. He felt like he was an athlete, so they wouldn't have to be athletes. And they're all college educated. They're all professionals. Like, I think he's very happy with what happened with his kids. Hey, great subject. Uh, the last folk hero, everyone, the life and myth of Bo Jackson. Get this book, everyone. Get two. Get 200 if you can afford them. Uh, uh, Jeff Perlman is our very special guest. Absolutely thrilled. Frank McKay here. Much more importantly, Jeff is our very special guest talking about Bo Jackson. Uh, who are his friends? Uh, you know, he's in Illinois now and uh, and. Uh, you know, he's growing up, and I assume it's not a, a you know, super populated uh, area. Uh, who does he keep in touch with from the, from the past? Uh, who who are the people that he calls friends at this point? Well, they're not athletes. Like, he is not. He would say I was friends with Mark Ubizo and Brett Saberhagen and Howie Long, but I'm telling you, he keeps a really, really tight circle. He hunts with people. He has buddies he goes hunting with, but he's not. A lot of athletes keep in touch with their own teammates. He's not one of them. He's just not that guy. I'm telling you, he's the most guarded person I've ever written about. And it really adds to his mystique. He's not out there on TV talking about how he was better than Josh Jacobs. And he's not out there on TV uh, saying he should be a general manager. Like, he, he's divorced himself from that world. And most people I talk to, the vast majority of people I talk to, you say, when does, when's the last time you talked to Bo? Oh, it's been a while. It's been a while. It has been years. He's just not that guy. Listen, fascinating. I, this is uh, just, I'm, I can't wait to read the book. Jeff Perlman, uh, tell us anything we should know before we let you go and also give us any uh, website or social media sites that you might have that we could follow along with what you're doing and, and the book. Well, if you buy 10,000 books, I'll throw in one for free. <laughs> you can visit me at jeffperlman.com and uh, on Twitter at jeffperlman. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Listen, congrats on all your success, not just this book, but uh, congrats certainly on The Last Folk Hero, The Life and Myth of Bo Jackson. Thanks for being here. All right, thank you. Jeff Perlman has been the, our very special guest. Uh, Bo Jackson has been our subject. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. It's Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. Long Island Vibes. On 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. Now here's your host, Frank McKay. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, wonderful actress and writer Michelle Sims is our very special guest. And uh, you know from Burn Notice, Red Tide, Welcome to Chippendale, uh, many, many things. But today... We're going to be talking about A Christmas Karen, and it's coming to VOD right now, right uh, today, in fact. And uh, it's just, uh, it, it's a must-watch. Anything uh, with Michelle Sims in, I could watch. She's terrific, and uh, and you know, Christmas stories are always great. And the interesting things about Christmas stories is that they are evergreen, and uh, and you could see them every year. Um, and it, what, what a nice way to start off uh, A Christmas Karen and, and then checking it out now on, uh, on a VOD. Uh, Michelle Sims, how are you? 
I'm great. How are you? I'm terrific. And I'm sure you've thought about that, right? I mean, it's uh, you, when you do something uh, Christmassy, and I don't know how much Christmas uh, you have in your, in your resume, you know, how many uh, Christmas stories you have in your resume, uh, but this seems like one that, that, that may last a very long time. And when I say a long time, I'm people, people are watching... You know, Christmas stories uh, from 80 years ago and watching them uh, religiously. Yes, I, I love that. I hope I hope it becomes a, a tradition for people, you know, that's, um, that's a, you know, I've, every, I think everybody's got their traditional movies they watch every year. So that, that's pretty cool. That'd be great. Did you did you get a, a good vibe right off of the script or right off of I don't know what you saw either treatment or uh, uh, what was the first thing you saw of this and did you get an immediate uh, vibe or is it hard to tell at first? Um, well, I've worked with John and Lisa, the directors, before. Um, this is actually the fourth project I've worked with them on, so I know like I know that I'm going to get something good. Right. <laughs> so when they they gave me the script, I got a. Uh, three different scenes for the audition and and it was really fun and awful at the same time <laughs> um but uh yeah it was just really fun to to be that person somebody that i would never behave that way oh my goodness um so it was Nice. Well, give us an idea. You know, we don't want you to spoil, of course, but we, uh, you know, give give us a little taste of of what we could uh, what we could expect, and uh, give us a, an overview of of a Christmas Karen. Uh, Christmas Karen is a, a retelling of the Dickens tale, a Christmas Carol. Uh, Karen is the Scrooge. Um, she is visited by the spirits and she learns the the error of her ways and uh you know attempts to redeem herself in the end and uh, i think it's a pretty hopeful telling of the story you know well, um, I, you know, here I am telling you, don't spoil. And uh, I guess, uh, I, I, I guess, if we don't know that that story yet, this is just a different, uh, a different take on it. Uh, but yeah, uh, it, it's just, yeah, you, you, don't worry, you didn't spoil anything. And uh, no. it, you know, it, but it's, uh, it, it's great. And I, I've got to believe you're very excited uh, 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 about this, even though you got to, you got to be the heavy, at least at first, the heavy. It was really exciting like i i when they approached me with this i i um i really wanted it bad <laughs> well listen this is yeah this is uh this is terrific and uh, do you have uh do you have a set plan to to do for the uh, uh you know say for tonight you know which is really the the opening uh or is it already past due past that time i know a lot of people uh you know like when a uh, when a release comes out they have friends over or they have especially i uh, hear we are talking on a friday night have some friends and family over and they uh have a little to do do you have anything set up that way or is it kind of anticlimactic at this point um it's a, well we just had the premieres uh <laughs> we had one in orlando on tuesday and then we had one here in los angeles uh last night and so now I'm kind of just, I'm just chilling. I'm I'm gonna just sit at home, and I I don't even know if I'll watch it tonight. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. I don't know. <laughs> You're all premiered out. You're all premiered out. I'm premiered <laughs> out. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, well, hey, listen, uh, t- terrific. You've also put together a really 
nice career, still uh, still going strong. Uh, also, it, 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 you know, again, we're, we're fo- focusing on uh, a Christmas Karen, and we want everybody to see it. It's uh, it's upon us. They can see it. Uh, what what else can we talk about? You seem to have something going on constantly. Um, because of I don't know because of the craziness with with the pandemic and the aftermath and every I, I don't know uh, so many people's schedules are, are either very fluid uh, or rock solid where you know they have everything set in stone. Uh, what is yours? Are, are you uh, are, are you taking it as it comes or do you have something uh, that you could share with us that's coming up? Um, I'm kind of taking it as it comes, but you know working on my own things at the same time. Uh, I've been doing solo shows for a while now, doing live shows, and um, it's like sketch comedy, and uh, right now the show that I'm working on is a show that my husband and I do together, and it's more of like a lounge act variety show, Um, kind of like the gong show, (laughs) (laughs) but it's it's live and, you know, uh, takes place at a a little club in Hollywood that that we just love. Um, but I, I don't have dates for it yet. Unfortunately, it's still in the works. Uh, have you been doing a lot of writing? Have you, uh, you know, and, and during the pandemic, did you get a lot of writing in? Um, I did. I actually wrote one of my solo shows uh, in about three weeks and then performed it on a live stream uh, festival link uh, that was a a club called The Pit in New York. They were hosting this solo com live stream show and I just jumped into that and did that and the, that was a big focus for me during the pandemic which I I really loved it. Um, I loved writing it more than I did performing it though. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, listen, it's uh, it, it's hard to argue with success. Uh, you've put together uh, an amazing career. The sky's the limit. A Christmas Karen is upon us on VOD tonight, right now, right? You know, uh, as we as you hear this, people, uh, you will be able to uh, you'll be able to get it on VOD and uh, and, and the wonderful work of Michelle Sims and 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 what looks like a terrific cast. Uh, can you give us a website or a social media site, Michelle, where uh, we could follow along with what you're doing? Oh, sure. Um, I like to I use Instagram most of the time. And uh, my handle is Shell Sims, C-H-E-L-E-S-I-M-M-S. Well, Michelle, thank you very much for being here. Congratulations on everything. And we'll be watching A Christmas Karen starting tonight. We'll be able to uh, all get it upon demand. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you for having me. This is great. A Christmas Karen is upon us. And uh, I'm telling her not to spoil. Uh, you know, I didn't look close, <laughs> close enough. It's A Christmas Carol with her playing uh, playing the role. So she don't have to worry about spoiling uh, <laughs> anything we know what happens we've seen the show we I, I remember seeing the show with mr magoo jim backus doing the worst and i was a kid a christmas carol and i thought it was very good i thought they did a good job on on a lot actually a lot of my literature right my early literature uh the classics i got from mr magoo i used to watch that show rip van winkle i, I think and uh i forget what else uh, what uh, maybe they had ichabod crane um him doing that uh, but he, uh, oh, you know what? Uh, Robin Hood. 
Robin Hood. We get the story of Robin Hood from Mr. Magoo. But anyway, this is that. This is Scrooge. This is A Christmas Carol. This is uh, Michelle Sims, who's wonderful, playing A Christmas Karen, which is uh, the equivalent to Scrooge. And you see on, on here, she's uh, arms folded. She's got a cute little dog here. God help us, everyone. And uh, that's, a, that's a little slogan there. But uh, anyway, listen, uh, she's uh, she's put together a, a you know, wonderful, wonderful career for herself. And I'm sure she did a great job in this. I haven't seen it, but uh, it's it's uh, uh, a Christmas Karen with Michelle Sims playing Scrooge, basically. Karen, uh, I guess, is the Scrooge. And uh, you could take it from there. But check it out. Uh, it's uh, it, it's always nice. Uh, to see a new Christmas movie, and, and I mean it when I say uh, Christmas movies, once you have them, once you have them, uh, they're evergreen, and you will uh, you will have them forever. Um, Frank McKay here, signing off. Our very special guest has been actress Michelle Sims. She's a writer as well, and uh, A Christmas Karen is the name of her latest. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you next time on breaking it down. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201 225 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. In many ways, Long Island is the story of America. It's Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. Long Island is definitely the place for you. Now, here's your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. Uh, very excited about this. Animal Logic. I haven't heard new Animal Logic uh, music in uh, God knows how long, but I remember how excited I was back in, uh, I think it was 87, 88, uh, when I heard Stu... Don't uh, age yourself now. Uh, say it again? Don't that, age yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 55. I'm not... Hey, uh, I remember uh, Stanley Clark uh, well before that, but when I heard Stanley Clark... And Stuart Copeland were getting together. And then when I heard the work of Deborah Holland, I was like, wow, you got to be kidding. That's an awful lot of talent there. They have two new singles out. And, guys, it's it's must-listen to. Uh, and I don't care if you're an Animal Logic fan or you're just hearing about them from the first time. Uh, can You Tell Me is great and Ordinary is great. Stuart Copeland, who's one of the great composers of, of our generation, he is unbelievable. And so many people know him from The Police and, and Stanley from Return to Forever. But, uh, wow, when they got together with Animal Logic, it's absolutely great. Stuart, how are you? Real good. I'm just going to sit here listening while you do all the talking. That sounds great. I love the pitch. Hey, who played the guitar in Ordinary? After hearing all that, I can't wait to hear myself speak. <laughs> uh, who played the guitar on Ordinary? Um, actually, these are people that uh, that um, Deborah assembled up in Vancouver. She pretty much put this record together, which is always the way it was in Animal Logic. I mean, Stanley and I, we can wiggle our fingers. Um, we love doing that. But that's why we formed Animal Logic, is to, how about we put this finger-wiggling to a higher purpose, such as uh, songs? And that's where Deborah comes in. She writes these songs that have kind of um, 
intellectual heft. And, um, and so we just play stuff. And um, this time, you know, we used to have our hands more in it, but this time she pretty much assembled these, these elements up there in Vancouver. Yeah, she's so smart, uh, and she's always been. The lyrics are uh, just always so uh, creative, and she's definitely marching to a different uh, drummer, no pun intended here. Uh, but all three of you are like that. I mean, you're very creative people, and when you get together, I, when you get together with people that you haven't played with for a long while, I mean, is it is it riding a bike? Is it kind of like that, or does it take some getting used to? Well, yes and no. It's like riding a bike in the part where we like each other and uh, we enjoy each other's company. But Stanley is, and Deborah are both constantly evolving. So uh, they're not, we run into each other five years later. It's not the same musician anymore. And that's the way it's supposed to be. But actually, Stanley and I have been in touch all down the years. We're always doing something. Either he's coming over here and jamming or he's got some mission. We once did a jazz tour of Europe. Uh, which is weird for me because I'm kind of anti-jazz, but I discovered something. I love, I'm allergic to most jazz music, but I love the jazz audience. Man, that is the best audience ever. They pay good money to come see you play all your chops. And uh, you don't need to stand back for the song. You don't need to, you know, you just wiggle your fingers for 90 minutes. In fact, our set was six songs for a 90-minute set. And I discovered that the only kind of jazz I like is when I'm playing it. <laughs> well, listen, I love I love jazz, but you uh, you 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 got eclectic uh, I taste do too. I but I, I I I do like jazz, but even more than that, I love rattling the cage of jazz jazz people. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, jazz people, and I, I consider myself the, one of them. I'm a big. I just saw Demiola like a month ago, uh, two months ago, and. You know, like I, I get it where where people wouldn't like it, but uh, you go there and you appreciate the musicianship, and 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 that's uh, that's yeah. a big part of it. And you're gonna get you're gonna have that with Animal Logic. I mean, the music is great, the songs are are, are terrific that Deborah uh, composes and everything else. But you're gonna get people, uh, you know, if you do live performances, uh, you're gonna get you're gonna get some jazz people there because they love what you're doing, they love what the three of you are doing. Yeah, it was interesting playing shows um, because it was sort of like that. They wanted to see the long bass solo, but in a way, they were kind of enjoying the fact that they'd get the long bass solo. Um, but they would enjoy when we come back to something really coherent, the song, something really uh, catchy and memorable. And those songs were great launching pads to take off into the stratosphere. When you don't play with somebody for such a long time and then you come back to it, uh, in any way, is it, a, uh, is it a measuring stick for for where you are? And I don't mean, uh, you know, uh, status-wise, but where you are in, in your head. Uh, it, do you think about how differently you, you approached it in 1987 compared to now? Oh, absolutely. That's the fun part, is that musicians grow and they change. And when we reconvene, there's new stuff going on. Yeah, it's it, listen, just absolutely terrific. Uh, both tunes, uh, 
can you tell me an ordinary everyone? You got to get it. There are two new songs, two singles from Animal Logic. We're talking to Stuart Copeland, and you know him from so many great things. Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, too, with The Police, one of the great bands of all time, but uh, also Modern Drummer Hall of Fame. Any, any Hall of Fame they have, they put Stuart in there. They know uh, they yeah, know anywhere. we belong. got a hall, I'll be in it. I'll be walking down it. <laughs> That's right. Hey, can I ask you, and we'll get back to Animal Logic in a second. I, you always have a million things going on. I, I always picture you you not sleeping and just constantly, you know, composing, uh, writing, playing on something. Uh, do you do you ever take a break from music? Yeah, every Sunday morning I go out in the bike path and I ride along the uh, the Pacific Coast there. Uh, with the wind in my hair and the seagulls crying. Um, and then I can't wait to get back to my studio to make some more music. Yeah, but that's it. You're just yeah, One thing I can tell you, any of your listeners who are musicians, I can assure you that uh, it doesn't quit. Uh, here in my 70th year, I rush through breakfast because I just can't wait to get back to my gear and start making some more music. It doesn't get old. Well, listen, you're great at what you do, and you do so many things so well. Animal Logic, congrats on this. Uh, can you give us uh, anything like a website or a social media site? Do you do anything like that? Oh, Instagram. Uh, what am I on? I'm, so, I'm on all the things. I forget what my handles are on all of them. Um, but, yeah, Instagram, Facebook, I'm, I'm there. And anything else you I, want? i tell you where to go. Go ahead. Uh, for your listening, uh, check me out on um, YouTube, uh, The Sacred Grove which is my studio here. It's the, it's, the, it's a real studio, even though it's kind of disguised as just a hang. And, you know, Neil Peart or Ginger Baker or Snoop Dogg or whoever had come over here, or Stanley, uh, come over here and jam, and I got cameras around the room. And uh, there's no commerce involved. I just tape it, and then the next day kind of carve it out and make a YouTube video and put it up on YouTube. You know, uh, Snoop Dogg at the, at the Sacred Grove. Check that out. Well, Stuart Copeland, thank you very much for being here. Congrats on everything, all all the great work over the years. Certainly, congrats on uh, Animal Logic. Thrilled to hear uh, new music. Thanks for being here, Stuart. Well, thanks for listening. Animal Logic and the two new singles, Can You Tell Me and Ordinary. Uh, love both of the songs. Listen to it. It's uh, it, just great. Uh, and just so you know, the lineup uh, is, is a trio. There's some good guitar work on there, but the... The lineup is uh, ex-police drummer Stuart Copeland, um, Stanley Clark from Return to Forever, and uh, I'm sorry, Return to Forever, and uh, so many uh, other projects. His solo work is one of the great bass players of all time. We've had Stanley on this show uh, several times, and Deborah Holland, and and really her band. It's it's her music. She's the singer songwriter, and uh, very creative. And she was boy fortunate enough to connect with. Stuart Copeland and uh, and and uh, you know I almost said Stanley uh, Jordan uh, Stanley Clark Stanley Jordan's another great player um, I don't know if anyone knows uh, or remembers uh, Stanley Jordan jazz players know who he is he plays the guitar you know, almost like he would play a piano uh, on top of it he's uh, he's on top of the whole uh, guitar. As, as opposed to uh, how, you know, traditional guitarists play. But anyway, uh, nothing to do with this, just uh, sidetracking there. But uh, Stanley Clark is just exceptional. Think about Return to Forever. And I just saw Demiola not long ago, and um, and I've, I've had uh, him on the show, and I had uh, Stanley and, and Lenny White 
Um, but think of that lineup, that lineup, and uh, and add to it the you know the 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 king of that group, the 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 leader of that group, the the great uh, Chick Corea. And if you think about that lineup, and and what it was, I mean that's it's jazz supergroup. And you know there's there's only you know I, I know people tried to piece things together to do things like that, but it just it, it didn't work the way. Return to Forever did. Uh, you know, Weather Report was, uh, you know, was, was like that. Mara Vishnu uh, was the other one. But, it, you know, you can count on one hand how many, how many bands came out of the uh, jazz fusion um, world that, uh, that stood on that Rushmore. You know, if it's Rushmore, it's supposed to be four, right? But, you know, just figure, uh, counting them on one hand, how many there were. And, and Stanley Clark... Um, you know, was uh, was part of that uh, extraordinary band, Return to Forever. Stuart Copeland, uh, part of the police and, and the police. Uh, you know, I, I've never seen them live or anything, but uh, Sting and Andy Summers, uh, great players there. And they started out as a punk band. And they have a, you know, a, a legendary um, story of how they, how they made it. Sting went on to be, you know, superstar. But... Uh, you know, Stuart Copeland is is the extraordinary musician of uh, of that. But they they're all uh, Andy Summers and, and and Sting, obviously a great musician. But nothing like Stuart Copeland. Stuart Copeland writes operas and uh, symphonies, and you know he's he's a beyond serious composer, and he's written so many uh, theme songs for um, you know for all of these. Uh, you know, TV shows and movies, and just, it, it, he's, he's got a, a more extraordinary career composing than he did um, with the police, and the police was a, a super band. Frank McKay signing off. Stuart Copeland has been our very special guest. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. This is Frank McKay. He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.